Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon, the Cobra Kai of comic book du- uh, podcasts. My name is Mark, and I am sweeping the leg from the co- deep underground from the Comic Book Dungeon. <laughs> this is Cruz. Where the fuck did that intro come from? <laughs> uh, Cruz, this is Cruz coming live from... Well, not live, but from the comic book kitchen because it's a fucking heat wave where I'm at and I'd rather be in air conditioning. Awesome. This is true. <laughs> ah, Cobra Kai. Nice. Have you have you watched Cobra Kai? You know, given how much time I've had to watch random shit, I really should. It was interesting. Is that- I think it would be fair to say if this is the Cobra Kai of comic book dungeons... I, uh, one of us, I'm going to say I'm the, uh, Cobra Kai, John Cleese, and you are the, uh, Karate's bad boy, Michael Barnes, of, uh, comic book podcasting. <laughs> okay. I'm, I, I have no, well, I know who John Cleese is, but, uh, I'm not sure who Michael Karn is. Or, uh, the, the bad boy, it's Karate's bad boy, Michael Barnes. I don't know who was, Michael uh, Barnes is. He's the protagonist from the third Karate Kid, which I had not seen since it was in theaters until, like, my wife and I rewatched, like, the Karate Kid series to prep for the show. And I have to say, the third one, the third movie, in some ways, is my absolute favorite. Because it is the, it is so fucking ridiculous. You have a 28-year-old Daniel coming back, you know, to play a teenager. And the whole plot of the movie is, Cobra Kai is washed up, but apparently uh, one of John Cleese's Vietnam buddies was the guy who helped him finance it, and he's so mad uh, that he decides to to get revenge on Daniel and Mr. Miyagi for winning a karate tournament. He's like That is the revenge plot. He needs to get revenge on them for winning a tournament, that he spends like... like Several hundred thousand dollars or something, like, hiring people in this, like, intricate revenge plot, again, to get revenge on them for coming in first place in a local karate tournament. It is the most ridiculous thing. And, uh, the, the big Cobra Kai enemy in that movie is Karate's bad boy, Michael Barnes. So, it is, if you haven't seen it in a while, it's on Hulu, and it is, if you want to see a ridiculous movie, you have, it's, like I said, it, it is. It, 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 if they gave Oscars for bullshit, this would have swept that year. <laughs> it would have swept the leg at the Academy Awards. <laughs> yes, there, I, it was like every ten minutes, my wife or I, one of us, would pause the movie and be like, "Just to be clear, he almost murdered Daniel's son in cold blood here in a in a revenge plot because he won a trophy." Or just wow. Just, Yes, it is. It is fantastic. This, this makes me want to watch the entire series all over again. Okay, yeah, so wait. So when do they have the girl? When does she come in? That is a fourth movie. I have never seen that one. Um, I think I I haven't seen anything from the series that would indicate, like from the TV series, that would indicate that that is considered canon. You see, re- there's a couple references to three. In the in the the Cobra Kai show, so you know that happened, but I'm not sure if the uh, Hillary Swank movie is considered like an actual canon part of the series. Also, that's extended universe a, stuff. 
There was a Karate Kid cartoon show that only ran for 13 episodes where Mr. Miyagi and Danielson go after a magical shrine that uh, that is running amok across the planet. I would I would hazard a guess that that is probably not considered a canon. You should just YouTube the the theme song, like the opening, like a uh, theme to the show. At one point, Danielson is a uh, um, he's balancing on a torpedo after it's fought out of a shot out of a submarine, and Mr. Miyagi flies a plane and rescues him before it explodes, just to give you the level of bullshit that like the show is. So I would say that's probably not considered canon. No, no, no. Something tells me that no, Miyagi-san flying a plane and Daniel-san doing handstands on a fucking torpedo, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. No. Good nonetheless. <laughs> the The only episode I remember from a, when I was a kid was, there's an episode where a kid finds the shrine and he uses its magical properties to shrink like cars and buildings down for his like awkward collection of like models in his room. Oh gosh. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was a very strange concept, but I am off on a fucking bewildering. Oh, we are off on it. We're way in the weeds. So, um, yeah, we are off on a tangent. Other than keeping Cobra Kai freaking intros in your back pocket, what have you been up to? This is, this may not seem like this to listeners because I think we're going to get a rapid fire series of uh, episode releases, but we've been out of a, a small hiatus. Um, I finished a course on web programming and got a small certification for that. That's kind of cool. Uh, I started a new job here pretty soon, so there's been a lot of uh, a lot of changes going on. Um, I took this crazy deep dive into Star Trek, and, and fans of the show know I'm obsessed with Star Trek. But on, uh, I've been buying one or two of the movies over the last couple months and watching them like on the like elliptical or on the treadmill, and uh, on Prime Day. They had like the TNG box Blu-ray box set for like sixty percent off. So, been kind of, and I'm like, man, there must be hours of deleted scenes. So I'm like, bye, 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 bye. So I was kind of excited. Um, <laughs> How many hours of deleted scenes are there? I have to look that up. I'm quite excited. There's probably hours and hours of just the Riker maneuver as he awkwardly sits in a backward chair, just cut for time. <laughs> so that will be exciting. Um, haven't been. Uh, I took a small uh, break from comics because I've been doing a lot of the like the programming, and so to unwind, I've been killing hundreds of hundreds of Nazis in uh, Wolfenstein. Outstanding. So that's been fun. What have you been up to? Uh, let's see. Uh, I haven't been at work in two weeks. Yay! So I don't know. Uh, work kind of slowed down for me. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> yeah, so work kind of slowed down, so I've been sitting on my ass at home, which it timed itself kind of nicely because I, I had a vacation in the Grand Canyon, which was fun. Uh, thankfully, all that was already paid for before I found out my schedule was going to get shot to shit for working. Um, other than that, uh, I have been plugging away at uh, you know my Sea of Thieves addiction along with... Uh, 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 playing a lot of fucking Zelda Breath of the Wild. That is a phenomenal game. That is an, you know, that is probably uh, one of the most 
well-realized in-game worlds I've ever seen. Have you, I think you've played a lot of the Zeldas, correct? I, I have not. I have not played a lot of them. I, I've played Ocarina of Time, like the original, like the first three that were on the NES. Uh, I never. There was uh, two on the, the NES. The, there was the, the next one was on the Super Nintendo. I never played the Super Nintendo one. Oh, I that never is. Never played. I never. You know what? And that is my greatest shame. I never played. What was it? A Link to the Past. Oh, Link to the Past. I never played it. I played Phantom Hourglass on DS. Yes. Um, but I never, you know, the first two were the two that I really loved. Uh, the first one mostly because that was such an awesome fucking game for the 80s. And the second one, just because of how fucking hard it was at the very end. I had never beat the second one as a kid. I, I replayed it again, I think, about like a year and a half ago, and I finally beat it. But yeah, that is quite the difficult game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that fucking final... That, the, the, the fight against Dark Link was just fucking... Ugh, Shadow Link, whatever you want to call him. Um, but yeah, th- those are what I remember most. Um, Did you know that with Breath of the Wild, when they started the project... They start. They wanted to do the. It, they started out trying to take the original Zelda and put it in a 3D world. And when they started, I mean, that's not what just the game was, but that was how they started doing it. And that's what gave them a lot of ideas of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, what else? Did I, I played Twilight Princess. That was probably the last one I really played. Yeah, I I quit Twilight Princess. It just I got I think maybe two thirds of the way through, and it just it didn't feel like a Zelda game to me. There was like no like the overworld was very superficial, and you know, you compare it to say Ocarina of Time, where I mean there's so much to do and discover, and so many secrets in that overworld. Yeah, yeah. it really just felt like it was just a very linear A to B game. Yeah, and I didn't like that. Yeah. I know some people out there think that like Twilight Princess is one of the top Zeldas. No, I don't. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I, I really didn't think it, it, it kind of lacked something that was Zelda-ish. And also, since I played it on the Wii, they had the wonky controls, which I really didn't care for. Yeah, I played it on the GameCube, so I think it, yeah, it was a much different animal with the control scheme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For for years, the big I think debate with Zelda was, but people would argue for the title of best Zelda, it was Ocarina of Time or uh, A Link to the Past. Yeah, and I mean, I think you can make a very compelling argument for Breath of the Wild being the best Zelda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm probably. I want to. I want to guess maybe about a third to halfway through, somewhere around there. I I, I really want to go back and play fucking uh, Link to the Past though. Uh, yeah, before I, I talk, start saying which one I think is best, but I, there there's that one, and there's actually another one that came out on the 3DS. I heard was fairly good, but I never really. Yeah. I, I'm blanking on the name, but it's in the same style as a Link to the Past. Yes. It's, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that that releases on the Switch at some point. That would be awesome if it would. I think there's a lot of stuff that, that 
played with with the 3D aspect of it. That I don't know if it'd translate well, but I don't see why it wouldn't. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping they go back and because what I would kill for is Metroid, oh, the Metroid Prime trilogy on the Switch. Ooh, that'd be so good. Yeah, because I what sold me on the Switch was uh, Breath of the Wild. Like when they made the like when I you're the one who told me about the Switch. We were playing Destiny, and I immediately scoffed at it. But then you were taught like. This is what it's looking for, and it's like a hybrid. And when I started looking into it, the first thing I came across was that Breath of the Wild uh, trailer. Mm-hmm. And, man, I watched that in English and Japanese, like, multiple times. And I remember when they had, like, the big Nintendo press conference, and it was, like, at 3 in the morning, the <laughs> pre-orders went up. And I immediately pre-ordered that. And I remember that morning, I saw the Breath of the Wild special editions had gone up that same night, and I didn't know about it, and I had, like, missed it. But then it was like I kept refreshing pages at work, and like Best Buy list had like another batch like that went up like a few, like at eleven in the morning, and I mean I have never clicked through a checkout process faster in my life. <laughs> and... Yep, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and I I didn't jump onto it until a lot later. Yeah, I mean there was no reason. I, except for, like, if you were, like, because I, I was obsessed with that. Like, I cannot tell you, if I had ten minutes of downtime, like, I carried my Switch in my car, in, like, a bag. Like, if I, like, at work, I mean, anytime, like, there was, like, some, like, I have, like, eight minutes. I'm putting in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like, my wife had to constantly yell at me. She's like, it is two in the morning. Like, you need to put that down. You're keeping me up. Like, go to bed. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it's like right now. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, but I mean, for a, it wasn't until I think Skyrim came out, like, six months later, because once I put down Breath of the Wild, I'm like, man, there's not really a lot for an adult gamer. We were just joking about that last night, because now I have, I have Wolfenstein on the Switch, Doom on the Switch, I have a game called, like, Butcher on the Switch, L.A. Noir. like, it is, all these games that even came out on other systems, I just so love the handheld portion of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just... They finally have the sociopath adult murder games that I gravitate to on it. I'm quite excited. Yeah, and it is it is a perfect um, it's a perfect hybrid. You know, it, yeah, I mean, it does everything. It does what it set out to do really well. It gives you the HD gaming on a travel size platform. The battery life is pretty decent. I mean, three hours of solid play or so, give or take. You know, the screen's pretty decent. I mean, I, I got no no problems with it. I mean, ever since I got Breath of the Wild for it, if there's any sort of a time where I'm going to be out of the house for a prolonged period of time, that Switch comes with me. Yeah, I would say my only real objections with the Switch is, one, like, I had to send mine back to Nintendo. Um, one the, the last speaker was, like, loose, so... Whenever, like, you would hear, like, like, in uh, Breath of the Wild, you would hear it especially, like, it would, it would rattle in the case, and it sounded terrible. It wasn't, like, a big deal, because I usually used headphones on it, but it was, like, whenever I didn't have headphones on, you could, like, hear that, like, was loose. Mm -hmm. But Nintendo, like, shipped it back, shipped it to them as soon as I finished Breath of the Wild, and they, like, got it back to me within, like, a week and a half or so, or two weeks. And so I thought that was cool, but it was annoying that it happened. I guess my big complaint that I would have with the Switch, and it's nitpicking. It's like when I play Street Fighter, 
I wish it had a normal directional pad. Yeah, okay. I could see that. I usually hate playing fighting games with the analog with analog sticks, but I mean, if I was going to play with any analog sticks, it would be the Switches. They're pretty good. But uh I bought like a $15 little adapter that lets me put the use my PS4 controller on the Switch. So I mean, I can't really complain. There you go. Yeah, I'm glad that you jumped on it because you're the only other person I know that has one. So, I think we'll eventually get to a point where we'll play a, a multiplayer game on there. One day, one day. Well, I, I mean, Nintendo still has yet to announce their multiplayer online service. I think we've been getting a little bit more information because one, I like that it's cheap as hell, and two, I think that's when they're going to finally start to unveil a bunch of the. Uh, retro games that you're going to be able to get for it right yeah because uh well we'll see what they do uh, i'm interested i want to see what they're going to do with it you know i mean i, I think I, it's a great little platform i think i don't think it's a coincidence that they're finally like getting their shit together for multiplayer uh right before smash brothers comes out oh really which i've actually never played a smash brothers oh smash brothers is uh it's a favorite in this house. It's, it's yeah, a favorite. Right. We we all play it here, and it gets it gets pretty freaking cutthroat. Yeah, I can't remember if this was on air or off air. Last time we recorded, I remember we talked a lot about Smash Brothers and uh, yeah the the fierce uh, fighting that would go on in the Cruz household. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you think you think all girls would be like pretty chill when it comes to gaming no no they're they're all super competitive when it comes to gaming at least against each other we going back to the the shrek party days oh fuck (laughs) yeah that would my ex-wife and your wife man the uh (laughs) and i mean there were there were some wicked i'm not gonna talk to you for a while fights after the shrek party oh oh yeah yeah, there there was definitely some you're sleeping on the couch moments after playing that. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the widowmaker for relationships. <laughs> it was a crucible through which you tested the strength of your relationship. <laughs> I, I would give my left nut to play Fusion Frenzy with uh, with my wife now and you and uh, your wife. Oh my god, I still have that. I still have that. It's me too. And an original yeah. Xbox buried somewhere in my garage. That I that was the only game besides Halo that I would consistently that I was happy that I would consistently still play on my 360. That I was happy that was backward compatible, mm-hmm. like still with the. Yep. Yeah. Oh god, fusion frenzy. <laughs> so this is, I guess, the email question of the week. Yeah, I want to hear from you, listeners. Um, if you guys have a, have a game that is a real or a reality that, uh, destroying a relationship destroying uh, game, yeah, I mean we've mentioned a couple. Breath of the Wild, Destiny was mentioned. That was definitely a, a relationship killer. Uh, yeah, I I had a real Destiny problem for a while. Um, let me see. I was like sleeping three hours a night. I got like I would yeah. sleep on my lunch hour at work to support it. Yeah, I was. Yeah, man, I was fucked. Yeah, I think we were both pretty bad. Um, 
You and me are like the worst enablers when it comes to that shit. I know, I know. I got to go to bed. I had to get up in three hours. One more strike, man. Well, okay. <laughs> Come, I got to go to bed. Come on. That's a really good point. Yeah. Or, 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 or what, would you, what was it? Um, oh, fuck. What did you say? It, it'd be like, uh, no, man. One more strike. Now I gotta go to bed. You want the hive to win? One more striker, the hive wins. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I we we were the worst enabler. Oh yeah. Our, I remember our friend Schneider. He would fucking he would say that to me all the time. He's like you guys <laughs> like bring out the worst in each other with that shit. <laughs> Talking about Schneider, uh, oh, I got Schneider? him to buy. Uh, he bought a uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands today. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, he had just missed the, the, the sale in the PlayStation store, and so we're both sitting there, like, looking at every store in, like, a 20-mile radius, and Best Buy still had it on sale, and he's like, I'm going right now! And he, like, he, he called both me and my wife, and he's like, I got the last fucking one! And, like, my wife and I, like, we did a high five, because she sometimes, like, enables my bad behavior, too. So. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, she, she, one thing that my wife had told me, she's like, don't be such an asshole to him in this fucking game. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm oh wait, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because uh-huh. for our like listeners, there, if there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity, and I think for the most part, as you know, you and me are pretty liberal guys, but I think in video games, you with that toxic masculinity absolutely comes out in us. Oh yeah, we. We haze the fuck out of each other when we play. I want to hear about how you haze your friends in games as well. I can't tell you how many times, like, I've come out of a screen, like, in, say, Destiny, and Cruz has pushed me, like, 300 feet, and I'm about to fall off a cliff. But, I mean, I think this all started in Borderlands, where we would run each other over or drag each other, like, a mile, or my ex-girlfriend would get out of a car and as soon as she would be out of it, we would destroy it and pretend like we didn't know what happened to it. And our friend Schneider, he, when we used to play, he would always like drink a little bit. And so he would get way more gregarious. So it was always fun. Like I would always like punch him in the face or shoot him in the face. Like, he would come out of a menu, and as soon as he was out, like, a rocket would hit him in the face. Or, like, the entire time he's in a menu, his his controller would vibrate. He's like, I can only assume you're impulsively hitting me in the face. Or I would, like, trick him to jump off a cliff. I'm like, you know there's, like, a weapon down there. Or, like, hey, man, we're not high enough. That won't that shit won't kill you. Or I would just be driving the vehicle and just jump out and just watch him fly off a cliff. And he gets so mad. Cause the, and it just... So I think that's what my wife was talking about. I think so. <laughs> so. Oh, man. So if you listeners, if we ever set something up where we, we have listeners play with us, we are going to harass the fuck out of you. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. There's so much. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of hazing involved. Yeah, there yeah. is. There's a shit ton of hazing involved. And I think it all started with that original Borderlands, just how we would see how many times you could bounce off the other person's head, or, <laughs> again, try to push people off cliffs when they're in menus, or just just punch them and punch them and punch them relentlessly. Yeah. Yeah. We were, yeah, we were brutal. 
Yeah, last time I played a game with Schneider was Far Cry Five, and I had unlocked like the uh, oh, no. the bear helper, and he kept shooting it till he killed it. And then I was trying to do a mission to get him like an animal helper, and we couldn't do it because he kept shooting the woman who gave us the me- like the mission, so she wouldn't <laughs> talk to us. And he kept he was in my game, and he kept killing civilians and pretending it was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man, we're man. so we're, we're a bunch horrible. of ten year olds. Yeah, we're just real shitty people. Yeah, in game we're definitely absolute assholes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's we we don't we don't treat anybody how we would. I mean, it's not like when you throw me off a cliff, it's not like I get all butt hurt because I know. I mean, I'm going to do that to you as soon as I have the opportunity. Uh-huh. So we treat we, we we treat others still in a way that we would we don't wouldn't mind to be treated, but it's. It's very counterproductive and it's very juvenile and jerky. Yeah, yeah, we're absolute we're absolute assholes at times, at least with each other. I, I mean, I, I will say, um, uh, Sea of Thieves. Yeah. You know, it, it depends who I'm with. I, I have one guy I play with, and if I group up with him, we're pretty chill. You know, we're not going to go out there and grief anybody or make anyone stay in absolute fucking living hell. We're good. Oh no, yeah, yeah. You, you, we. If you're part of the group, there's that hazing, but we don't. We're not fucking oh, oh, strangers. Yeah. Oh yeah. If Except you're part for, of the group, then you're getting hazed. If you're part of my crew, I'm gonna fuck. I'm gonna fuck with you. Like it doesn't matter what game I'm playing. You know, I will leave. You, I will leave fuckers standing at the dock, and I'll be like, yeah, "Catch a mermaid, you'll catch up." Bye. Do you remember that kid who was messing with us in Red Dead Redemption? Oh God. <laughs> So I guess that would be the exception to the rule. We were like, it was like one Thanksgiving, like seven oh years my ago, God. and some little kid kept screwing with our game and just kept trying to harass us. Oh and that's God. why I never play on open mics, except for like I can't remember why. Like we were having trouble with live that night. Oh and my God, that was so funny. We teased that kid mercilessly until he left the game because yeah. he was just being such a little. But as a I think that was a real learning point for that kid. I mean, he just... You can't treat strangers like that. And I think this was... He was not used to somebody who would push back. And we push back until he's like, okay, I don't want to play... I don't want to harass these people anymore. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I mean... Back back to Sea of Thieves, it's... Uh, it, it, is, it is always PvP. There's PvP on... It's whatever you guys want to do. So... I have another dude I'll play with, and he's just like, he's like, look, I don't care about the freaking voyages. I don't care about the damn treasure. I just want to go, you know, I want to go PvP. I want to go kill other people and steal the shit they work to get. So I'm like, okay, fine. You know what? This is the guy I do PvP with so I can sharpen up my skills. And we won't grief someone, you know, but when people get upset... Because, you know, you jump, you, you sink their ship, or you freaking board them and steal their stuff and run away with it. You know, I play on open mic, and I'm like, dude, it's called Sea of Thieves, not Sea of Fucking Friends. Okay? It, it, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not deliberately going out to harass any particular person. I'm just playing the game the way it was meant to be played. I mean, if you're going to be sensitive about that, that maybe is not the game for you. No. Now, when there are people that get all butthurt about it and then try to track you down, because it's a big freaking map, and, and I've had people that I've sank 
come looking for me again. And then I've sank them. And then they come looking again. And they just keep bringing it upon themselves. I mean, I had one guy, dude. Dude chased me for like an hour and a half. <laughs> I, I literally, I shit you not. And this has happened a couple of times. Someone will chase you. And like, you won't have anything good. And I'll just I'll just kite them along. Number one, because that stops them from harassing some of the other players. And number two, I I like at the very end when I finally decide eh, I'm done playing, I'm logging off. I like to let them get the ship, and then I scuttle it and sink it with them on it. And then they see that I had absolutely nothing, and I just blatantly tell them I just wasted like two hours of your time just for my own entertainment. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Bye. <laughs> Definitely, I think when you see the online play, you, you get to you, you definitely get to see some of the worst of people's behavior. Yeah, I that was one of the things. I, if you've ever played like a, an online game and on an open mic, you use the N word. That is indefensible, and you are an asshole. Exactly. And and I can't I can't tell you how many times like we were raiding in Destiny, and some clearly white individual is just N-word this and N-word that. I mean, uh, the, the fuck do you think you're doing? And it's like, I'm out. Yep, I mean, it's just, there's no there's no place for that shit. Yeah. And again, the, I'm gonna chase people to harass them, or, I mean, I, I remember I was playing a game with Schneider, like, the Borderlands, the pre-sequel, and there's this one mission where you have to do all this shit, and you get this like really good shotgun. I always hate. I always like playing in private games. I hate playing public. But like Schneider likes to play in public games, and he's had a lot of really good experiences. Some asshole jumped in the game uh, right when we had unlocked that. Ran up, jumped, grabbed the weapon, and jumped out of this game. Okay, that's so he pretty didn't... douchey. Yeah, you cannot ninja somebody's loot. Especially, he wasn't even on the mission. He just jumped into Schneider's game and stole it. So, I mean, we we jumped to dashboard so it didn't save that last part and went back and just had to redo part of the mission. But I mean, if they, I mean, if we hadn't done that, or if Schneider had just you know saved and quit, he would have lost that fucking item. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is some bullshit. I mean, you are an asshole. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean. When it comes to like unique items and stuff like that, uh, I think there needs to be some provision for for creating a, a shard, a server shard of some sort that kind of lets whoever's playing get that item. Because when you have guys that freaking come in and ninja, it's just it's just not cool. I mean, I I even I don't play as many online games now, but I mean, even when I do, I you know I never I always have my shit set to private. Because I don't want to hear people I don't know on the mic, and I only play with people I know. Just because I, I don't know. I'm just so intolerant of again people throwing out racial slurs or, especially like in Destiny. I know it's raiding and you know, you're under some stress, but if this person over here is not playing to the level that you want, screaming at them and being a jerk isn't going to suddenly like. <laughs> I was this great player this whole time. I was just waiting for you to call my mom a stupid bitch to unlock it. Yeah. I mean, I would rather um, not hit an objective and have fun and a good time and have everybody I'm with have a good time than have it be this super stressed out. Like, you don't get money if you fucking, you know, if you win this raid. I mean, this isn't serious. It's a pretend item in a pretend game for your pretend character. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> 
Uh, trying to get uh, Schneider walk through some of those raids was fucking brutal. Uh, he tried. Yeah, he, did, he tried. Yeah, he tries, but I mean, it's he tried. Yeah, I mean, it's just that shit's not for everybody. And no, no, and I, I don't think that was his bailiwick, and you know, he he did put a hell of a good effort. And I, it was there were points where I remember I could sense how frustrated he was with it. And I'm just trying to stay like. Yeah, you know, my talk down voice, you know, like, okay, dude, this is what we got to do, okay? And it's, I mean, I think we were very clear when you and me, because I'm, I'm focusing on, like, the Wrath of the Machines from the original Destiny. Where yeah, yeah. We, there were several times where we would play, and we would be playing with people who had never done it before. And, I mean, we would tell people when we would lose somebody and somebody who'd come in, you know, we're just doing this for fun. These guys have never done it before, so they're going to need some uh, some some coaching or some. You know, this is going to be a multiple effort. And uh, I remember one game. I think the guy was from the Ukraine, and he just kept swearing and yelling at us, and like, uh, you know, in like, uh, U- uh, in uh, just in Ukraine or Ukrainian, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. Yeah, I mean, that, again, just dude, we were very upfront that this is a almost everybody here has not done this before. You can't. Well, you knew that up front. You can't sit here and now start screaming at people because, oh, you're not an expert in this. We let you know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, remember, uh, what was that asshole's name? Shaggy something. Shaggy too dope, I believe. Whatever, dude. I mean, like, I would do strikes with that guy because he was a good player and he was in my time zone. But there was one raid where he just fucking, I don't know, if he smoked too much fucking weed that day or if he was too drunk or some shit, man. But, like, he just fucking literally crossed. I thought I think he might have been with me for it. But, I mean, he crossed the line, and I was just like, fuck this. Yep. Unfriend, block, later, dude. Yeah, I, I think he threw the N-word out there about three times. And, yeah, he was 30. just being... Yeah, and he was just being an asshole, too. Like, I can't remember who it was in our party... But they had never, I think, maybe I'm combining some shit, because I know the exact night that you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, he was just up about one or two people's asses and just being a complete dick. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. might have been that one kid that we were playing with, uh, the nuclear uh, kid or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that night. I was just like, fuck this guy, he's done. Done. I just don't want, I, I, there, there, there is like, you know... The the hazing that we do, and then there is pure toxic fucking personality, and that guy was purely toxic, and I was just fucking yeah. done with him. Yeah, we haze that one kid a little bit, but I mean, we were very upfront with like, you know, we're this is this is fun, you know, you're giving us shit back, we're giving each other shit. It was we yeah. didn't talk to him any differently than the rest of the group, and yeah, I think he had. A, I mean, he played with us multiple times. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we were definitely, it, none of it was ever mean spirit. And it's, and I think it's something where some people bully people and that's their excuse. He, I don't think any of us, I think we were all very good natured with it. And it was, it was kind of a rite of passage into the group. <laughs> and I know somebody's eventually going to say, you guys were bullying him and you were being dicks if we talk about this. But no, I mean, we really, everything we said to him, it was very, there was some joking, but it was all, it, we was laughing with him, not laughing at him. Yeah. And I think he, under, yeah, he absolutely understood that. Yeah. Well, we had, we had a pretty good, you know, back in our freaking destiny days, we had a good, uh, core Crew. group in the clan going. Yeah. Of, of guys that would raid together and do strikes and nightfalls and shit together. And, you know, he was trying to join in cause he joined the clan, I believe. And 
you know, he was just making sure he kind of fit in with the group. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I'm not sure how many uh, women listeners we have, and I don't want this, tell me if this comes out as sexist, but I mean, that's a lot. So much of that is part of the male relationship. It's so much of male relationships is built on you shit talking and uh, just some of those, those caustic uh, interactions. And I mean, that's why sometimes it can be difficult for somebody to say, like, I, it goes from light nature ribbing to going too far. But I mean, absolutely. Everything when we were with that group very much seemed like we were off on such a fucking tangent. <laughs> but are. it was very good natured. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, what I might start doing is I might just start having some like in the show notes. Like we start talking about the comic at X minutes. That <laughs> way if somebody doesn't want to hear about like our Destiny War stories or about Star Trek Voyager for 20 minutes, they can, uh, they can fast forward through it. Right, 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 yeah. Oh, jeez, what a tangled mess. Okay. So, yeah, uh, we want to hear about your guys' uh, some video game war stories or some toxic people you played with or a game that you were playing and destroyed your relationship. Um, I'll throw in another example because it's funny. I was playing Borderlands, the original Borderlands with the crews, and my ex-girlfriend, my you know ex-girlfriend at the th- uh, of now girlfriend at the time, and I had picked up an item like a weapon that I didn't give a shit about, but that they both wanted and they had both asked for. And I've known Cruz for forever, but this was my girlfriend and the person that I was having uh, intercourse with. So there were compelling reasons for both to have it. There was strained <laughs> loyalties, and I didn't know what the fair thing to do. So in my mind. What I thought was fair was uh, I said you guys can duel for it and whoever wins gets it because come on let's be honest if you're just giving it to your girlfriend because she's your girlfriend it, you can't do that it, it, that's not fair for play we were a group <laughs> and if, if we had just been two friends that would I wouldn't have had that metric so it just seemed like the and I I try to be super fair in everything I do and that was the fairest way I could think to. Uh, to fix it my current wife has told they told me i was an asshole for doing that i still stand by this like eight years later that that was the right thing to do hey, but you know uh what? you made the right call yeah you you won the duel you got it and she was pissed at me and we had an hour conversation about that and <laughs> if this is a topic that resonates with people we'll talk about how i almost broke up on the uh on the uh the release day of borderlands 2 uh, on a later uh, on a later uh, show, so you guys will have to call email in to request that comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's great. Okay, yeah, you were there for that that Borderlands two one, and it got real awkward real fucking quick. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, shut up, Shadow. Chill. Dogs in here. There were a couple moments uh, during that uh, that section of like uh, what was it like 2009 to 2012 where uh, we were playing together nonstop the three of us and it got awkward really quick sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you know, 2009 to 2011. Yeah, I would love to uh, to tell those stories on the air, but man, you listeners got to request them. <laughs> Good chunk and, of them would involve me passing out from drinking too much wine. 
I, I definitely remember one particular incident of that. And I still have two embarrassing uh, poop-related stories oh, that uh, we haven't aired that episode yet, but episode 19. But yeah, I can't wait to see how the voting comes in and see if you guys want to hear the, the poop stories. Oh, shit. Literally. Okay. <laughs> this is a good intro. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, like freaking forty, forty-two minutes of uh, of intro. You know, yeah, it's and we good. managed it's... to get on track, back on track with the uh, fecal talk. Yeah, it's slice of life shit. And like I said, I think I will start adding in the show notes. You know, at minute forty-four, thirty seconds, or whatever, uh, you can just go straight into the kill raven talk. Yeah. So, come on, um, you come um, for Kill Raven, but you stay for the shit. Exactly. Let's be honest. Exactly. So, uh, you know what? Uh, as far as my my time, uh, I don't. Rem- I I really haven't been doing anything else. Uh, video games, uh, driving, fucking large groups of people in a really tall van for hundreds of miles at a time. Uh, watching lots of Cloak and Dagger. Okay. Mm, How which, is it? Okay, it is. You know, I, I, I kind of looked at the Wikipedia page, so I can kind of get a, a brief idea of the the bio of the original. You know, Tandy and Tyrone characters, and yeah, the show's not coming at it from the traditional background. You know, they're not runaways. They're not. You know, they're they're, they're they are teenagers, but. The, the point of origin for them is completely different, and it involves this company, you know, doing experiments, which is how they got their powers and all this other shit. Uh, but it's still an interesting show. You know, I, I think they, they've they've kind of used the, the cloak and dagger power set to help with their story, you know, to kind of build the story around and kind of left a lot of the background stuff and started from scratch there. So a purist wouldn't enjoy it. <clears throat> Someone like me that's just along for the ride, and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it, much like I had a lot of fun with The Runaways. Talking about The Runaways, I remember um, you would write a bunch of uh, the uh, the Runaways comics. There's a an issue where The Runaways meet Cloak and Dagger. Do yes. you remember that? I don't think I ever got to that point, but I, 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 I saw it was mentioned that it didn't happen. That, that has one of the funniest Marvel Comics lines, I think, from the, uh, the mid-2000s. And it's, I think about it a lot and laugh. When, uh, do, you, do you know what the comic, the later comic costume for Dagger looks like? Doesn't it's, it have like that super deep V-neck? Well, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's all white, and it kind of like goes to her, I think, like neck. But then yeah. cut out, it's got like a cross cut out. Yeah, like a dagger. Breasts. Yeah. And uh, so they 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 meet the runaways, and you know they know something about being a teenage runaway with powers. So like she dagger goes in and tries to have this like little heart to heart with uh, Molly, like the like the little kid with super strength. And mm-hmm. she's and so Molly's much younger than the rest of the group, and so she's like. How old are you, sweetheart, or something like that? And Molly looks at her, she's like, old enough to know you're dressed like a whore. <laughs> and it just came out of nowhere. So, oh my god. So, so fucking great. funny, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. 
I mean, it may not have been the word whore. It may have been tramp or slut or something along those. But she was she was totally. It's one. I don't think that was fair to do to Dagger. But two, it just it. I'm not commenting on the validity of it or whatever. But I'm just saying that because it was so out of nowhere, you were not expecting that <sighs> power runaway character to say that to another. But it was it was quite. It caught me so off guard. I laughed out loud for I, a minute. I so appreciate that. Okay. Uh, quick little kid story for you. Um, I'm pretty sure you have not watched uh, Moana. I have not. Okay, but are you at least familiar with the character Maui, the big guy? Yeah. Okay. So my my <laughs> my youngest uh, really loves Moana. She freaking likes to dress like her. She likes to play with the dolls and all that shit. So. Uh, my eight year so my youngest is four. My eight year old's friend and her dad had came over, I forget, they'd went over to their house for some reason, right? And my youngest was with them. So the dad looks looks at my youngest and says, Oh, oh my, you you look just like Moana with that and you're singing the song and everything. And then I forget if it was one of my ten year old twins or if it was my eight year old, but they looked at him because he's got kind of like a typical kind of like, you know, Latin surfer dude kind of look. Okay. So they look at him and they're like, you look like Maui, except without the muscles. <laughs> yeah. I love the brutal honesty that's for good <laughs> or bad that you will get from a kid. Oh, man. Yeah, see? Exactly. You know, I can relate to the, well, you know, you're dressed like a tramp. Because my, ki- my kids would definitely say that shit. Yeah, and it's. And I think it would be just as funny. They have no filter, which is good and bad. But anyhow, that's part of growing up. Yeah. Yep. You know okay. another part of growing up is. Uh, Amazing Adventures issue thirty-four. Yeah, death is an ev- inevitable part of growing up. Yeah. It's a, it's 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 entropy. I mean, it's a universal constant, and here it is. On uh, front and center, on uh, Amazing Adventures featuring Killraven, the Warrior of the Worlds, issue uh-huh. 34, from yep. January of uh, 19, a copyrighted date of 1975. This is the January 1976 issue, with a cover price of a whopping 25 cents. Ooh. That's a lot of story for just a quarter right there, buddy. You're saying a lot of story, and I think that sold very well with this cover. This cover reminds me a lot of several X-Men covers, where you'll see like a center, like a, like say antagonist, and you'll see like all the X-Men, X-Men, like looking dead, lying on the ground at their feet. That's kind of a, a tried and true trope that we've seen in the X-Men and some other Marvel comics, and I think it's carried out very well on this cover. Okay, I do have issue with the cover. Okay. Tell me. Now you, you've got the Freemen, you know, like you said, strewn about. They they all look dead, you know, in various states of disrepair. In, in the background, you've got, you know, Scar's um, Devil's Marauder standing triumphant. Not red, though. Yeah, it's the wrong color, but I think it's because they had more of a red sunset sort of background. With the right. red, it looks like maybe Mars in the background. Right, and I could I could deal with that. And then you've got Scar standing triumphantly over all the free men. And I could deal with that. What I can't deal with 
is Scar looks like he's posing and saying, would you like me to take you to the gun show? <laughs> yeah, that is quite the unnatural pose that he's in. He's got the one arm above him. And then I can't even describe what his left hand or, or left arm is doing with the pistol aimed sideways. And he, it's real he, weird. He, looking. he is flexing and he's look, he's, he's flexing and the pistol is pointing to where the gun show is. It is pretty a bizarre pose. Yeah, oh. I, I I don't I don't get it. I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw this was was yeah. Do you want me to show you where the gun show is? If if we're also if we're nitpicking the cover, I also wanted to say that um, if you look at Camilla Frost, she is wearing thigh high boots, which she's been wearing since she got her new costume. But throughout this issue, so he's been wearing like uh, these like knee high buccaneer looking boots. Hmm. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on that because my wife makes fun of us for uh, uh, addressing the uh, the the costumes and the fashions of the issue. This right. co- she had a really weird costume this this time. She has like weird garter belts that don't go to anything that just kind of sit on her legs, and she's got these weird buccaneer boots and. But overall, I mean, the design is not too dissimilar to what she was wearing before. Right, and it's not like they're the improbable suspenders that Scar has. Yeah, which are <laughs> drawn quite well on the cover. Yeah, I mean, this is, a, I think, a really good cover. Again, if I was a, a kid in 1976 and I saw this, I would absolutely uh, pick this up. It's, I mean, yeah. if you're a big fan of the series, it's got a death in the family on the cover, and you see all the characters lying apparently dead at uh, uh, Scar's feet. So yeah, I mean, this is definitely dramatic, and we get in the, a little word bubble. It's the story you never thought you'd see, a death in the family. This is it, a dramatic turning point in the lives of the free men. Earth's last hope, or last hope for the future. So, <clears throat> quite dramatic. Yes. So, to page one, shall we? Yes, where we learn that uh, Don McGregor and Craig Russell are the creators. So Don mm-hmm. McGregor is uh, is back. He had uh, taken a bit hi- of a hiatus for last uh, last episode's racist romp. Mm-hmm. Uh, P- Petra Goldberg, the colorist, Denise Wall, the letterer, and Marv Wolfman this time is the editor. Marv. Uh, big fan of Marv Wolfman. Just glad to have him on the book. Um, okay, so all right. There, okay, get, go on before we just. I got a side note question about this setting. Okay, this is Chattanooga, Tennessee, July 2019. Okay, you know what? And I know we've said this before. I really need to just fucking do it. I need to make the map. Yeah, I think we're going to eventually get like an, uh, an, ep- or an issue where he's like in Quebec and then in like Denmark. I mean, he is, he at this point, he's actively moving away from, uh, from Yellowstone. Yeah, I, I mean, seriously, this is definitely like a Bugs Bunny fucking map of the United States with the dotted line that's going everywhere except where he wants to go. It's it's definitely very cartoony at this point. I have no idea. And it it's not made clear if they realize they're going in the wrong direction or not. Like, did the Earth's rotation or something get fucked up? <laughs> Maybe they moved Yellowstone at some point. <laughs> like, it's I mean, in Florida now. I mean, I understand it. Basically, the Midwest now has mountains all over the place and cliffs, 
So there's been some tectonic upheaval and everything, but I mean, did this like alter the poles? So now you can't figure out which way's north or south or west or east or, you know, did, did the Earth's axial tilt get adjusted a little bit or something that threw them off so they can't use the sun as a way of figuring out direction? I mean, what the fuck happened here? This is a po- This came out after the movie Westworld. What if they are on Westworld? Like this is, you know, there was like Westworld. There was Medieval World. This is Martian Apocalypse World. That's why they can play free and easy with the geography. And these people just don't ro- realize that they're like robots in this uh, simulation. So who's the robots, though? They all are, except for like Old Hawk or Old Skull or Hawk. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. The, the serial people from several issues back, they were all real people. Oh, God. That, that was like Kellogg's like corporate retreat. <laughs> <laughs> like well, the, the VP of marketing is the one that got fucking whacked. I, what, is, what is up with Scar's bondage costume on this uh, first page? He's got chains wrapped all around him, and they're actually like locked onto his waist. And he has, his his chest anatomy doesn't look anything remotely close to human or anything that we've seen him like look before. Like he oh. looks like like he's done way too many steroids here. Like he did not have this build before. I mean, but it's not even like he has a six pack. It just looks like he has weird tumors just all over his chest. This whole this whole first page is pretty troublesome for me. The we get a lot of caption boxes here. And yeah. It's very preachy, even for this comic, more so than normal. We talk about the nuclear family and what destroyed the nuclear family. Was it like the switchy to like the loss of gender roles and it's just there was absolutely no reason and it all just leads to well it didn't matter because like this is uh like the Martians invaded. There was no reason to get into this odd, weirdly 70s social commentary and just have it end with, yes, we know it, like, it's the apocalypse now. I mean, this yeah. was a, if they had left this front page almost blank, like, just, like, just, like, lost the caption boxes, it would not have affected this issue at all. No, it wouldn't have. They could definitely have gotten rid of the, uh, the, the extra dialogue. Not even dialogue, just captioning. Narration. The- the only thing that we learn of value here is there's a spoiler. We learn that today two, not one, but two ma- uh, two of this family will die, and then we get a death in the family. Then wouldn't this be deaths in the family? So, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's um, – sorry. They, they, they tried really hard with the death in the family, and I think – I don't know if Batman did it first, but I know Batman did it better. Yeah, this was this was way before Yeah. Uh, Batman. I'm going to – Move on to page two. And yeah, page two. <laughs> Some weird shit. It it it, it opens with uh, basically what looks like a uh, dirt racetrack. Yes, <clears throat> and on this racetrack, this is no surprise. We have Kill Raven and his uh, serpent stallion, which just it's there whenever the plot needs it to be. Mm-hmm. But then out of nowhere, we have Camilla, and he's racing Camilla Frost and Mashula. And Camilla Frost is like she's riding like a cougar with a fucking unicorn uh, horn, and yeah. um, Mashula he's like riding like an ostrich, but like a weird mutant Muppet ostrich with like ram horns. Yeah, 
in, so, in like a mane. I mean, the only thing these animals need is like a tambourine, a keyboard, and a guitar, and they'd be like the showbiz pizza, like a uh, rock of fire explosion, or like the Chuck E. Cheese band. I mean, it's just it's super <laughs> fucking weird. Yeah, and, and apparently they're just, uh, you know, they're racing each other around this track and talking shit, which, cool, you know, I mean, cool, whatever. I, I, no, I'm going to say no, it's not cool. This is not cool or not whatever. Because we learn a few ep- uh, pages from now, they're supposed to be out gathering supplies. And instead of gathering supplies, they're out grab-assing on this racetrack with, like, mystery animals that we never get an origin to and we don't see for the rest of the issue. Okay, fine. I was going to mention that later. <laughs> 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 but I, I could see, I could see how, how that would be a, a relative, relevant point to bring up. You know, if, they, they are grab-assing and fucking around when they're supposed to be doing serious shit. This is why Hawk is such an asshole all the time, because Hawk is like 40, <laughs> and he's babysitting these like 18 to like 22-year-olds who just, just... If I had to babysit these guys, I would be losing my shit all the time, too. Like, they're sitting there guarding Grok, who's dying, hungry, waiting for these guys to come back with supplies. And instead, they find, like, a griffin, a uh, fucking uh, Muppet o- uh, ostrich, and this teleporting stallion, and they're fucking racing until the sun goes down. I mean, fuck the three of you. And I look at Milo like, look at me, I'm having so much fun. It doesn't matter that Grok is on his deathbed. I mean, she shouldn't be moping around for six months. I get that. But, I mean, this is this is just so out of place. And, again, if we lost the scene and they were just foraging for food, it would not have radically changed the course of this issue. Right. It's a very weird choice. But maybe I'm – I don't know. Maybe somebody pissed in my Cheerios. Maybe I'm being overly negative. I mean, I like this issue. But, I mean, I just – this beginning few pages were just very strange. Yeah, I will. I will con- concur with you there. The beginning couple of pages were a little rough. You know, you've got the, the three main warriors grab assing on a fucking racetrack, where uh, Hawk, Old Skull, and Grok are kind of at base camp, kind of sitting around waiting. I mean, I have to give it to him. Like the the design of these animals are super cool. Their their creature designs have consistently been pretty cool. You know. Oh. Uh, their, some of their drawings for Camilla, Carmilla in this uh, issue were a little little off. That is really evident at the top of page three, that first yes. panel. Him, yes. It, her, and then she looks like a mannequin that just, like, like in a wind tunnel. And then Mishua's <laughs> look is he, in the background as he's looking at her. He literally is like, he. that's the, the face you make when you fart and, like, you, you, you shit instead. <laughs> it's just very bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, you know what, that, that, that look on his face is the look you make when you, you fart and you felt something slip by. <laughs> You've got, like, diarrhea going down your leg, and it's like, that look, like, that disbelief, like, how did that happen? And now, like, who knows? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so they're fucking around, you know, talking shit. Uh, Carmilla wins the race. Yep. Uh, Kill Raven in his ever so mature means blames his horse. Yeah, and it, it's like his horse knows that he's just full of shit. Kill, yeah, full of shit. It's like they're doing like a a vaudeville comedy routine, and like the horse is the straight man. 
It's very exactly. bizarre. It's like just he's mad, but it's not even like normally when Kill Raven's mad and lashes out, it's just him being a dick. But it's just like he's going through the motions for comedic value. It it's, is, yeah. It's really bizarre. We actually get kind of a cool scene where on his uh, Muppet ostrich, uh, Mashula grabs Camilla Frost and like whisks her up, and now they start to like make out on his uh, on his like Sesame Street like uh, mythical creature. <laughs> yeah, this is such a bizarre beginning, and I mean it moves us to where we need to go, and uh, on the next page here on page six. We go to Old Skull, who's sitting on the rock at the bottom of this uh, waterfall, and he's playing some futuristic pipes. Like, he's uh, he's playing some music. And it's, it's like a pan flute. Yes, but all Martianized. Oh, yeah. I like that What's they made a, a mistake with the word balloons <clears throat> on the top of this page, because Hawk, uh, they, it should be Old Skull saying this, but they have Hawk saying, do you like that, Hawk? So a little... Uh, <laughs> Again, a little odd. Oops. Yeah, yeah, that's a little whoopsie. So yeah, uh, Hawk is being his usual dickish self. Old Skull's being his usual chipper, whimsical self. I mean, that's it's kind of mean to leave the guy who's got the the, the hair trigger, who's annoyed with everything, by the most annoyed with the most annoying member of your group, who now right. has a horn. Yeah, yeah. And this, yeah. And this is where we learn that they're sitting here hanging out, waiting for the, the rest to come back with provisions. You, can, I guarantee you they have no idea that they're just wasting hours at the racetrack. Right, no, no, of course not. Why would they? But yeah, so, so you know, uh, Old Skull's like, hey, you guys like my music? And Hawk's like, fuck you, no. And <laughs> I Old like- Skull... I like yeah, he's like, do you like my music? And yeah, uh, he gets a he gets some shit from Hawk. And I like that. Grok's response is a death rattle. <laughs> and he just gets a mocking like, yeah, that must mean you do like it. Sort of response. It means you want to hear some more. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, he of course starts playing more, and Hawk's like, fuck this, I'm out. Now, as Hawk is leaving. You have a, a shot of kind of Hawk walking away, and you can see some of the foliage way in the background. And uh, you can just barely make out the silhouette of the Devil's Marauder back there. You may have been able to hear that approach them as it got closer, except for somebody's playing annoying music on a horn as loud as he can. You know what? Now I understand why Hawk was so upset. Because the annoying music out of the horn was probably as screechy and deafening as the sound of the Devil's Marauder approaching, so that's why they couldn't hear it. Yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's that critical mistake here. Because we can see, obviously, the who's uh, piloting the Devil's Marauder is Scar. Yep, and, blow home, blowhole himself. Yep, and he, uh, we see that he's targeting Old Skull, who, even in his little digital readout, he's you can just see the joy on his face as he's playing this <laughs> horn and annoying his teammates. Yes. Not even letting Grok die with dignity. <laughs> nope. And he gets blasted by uh, a flame cannon, right. I guess. Yeah, right to the chest and groin. Yeah. Yeah, and he, lie, he lands face down smoking on the ground. 
Well, good thing he laid down. He landed face down, smoking, because then he put himself out when he hit the ground, right? Yeah, he, he unconscious. Yeah, well, still even unconscious, he stopped. He dropped. I guess he didn't roll, but I mean, he <laughs> he he mostly smir- sm- uh, smothered the fire. And here, I want to crowdsource this. There's uh, these quotes running through the issue, and I think they're all from, say, the same poem or say Bible verse. I could not. This is the first time that I couldn't find the origin of it. It kept pointing me to the specific parts of the Bible, but when I looked, it didn't match. But we get, I will scream verses of vengeance. And every time one of these comes up, I'll give you another part of the quote. But if anybody knows what this is uh, what this is from, uh, I'd appreciate you guys letting us know at comicdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> so, our old buddy, old skull, is... Looks like you know. I initially thought he fell down on top of Grog, but it, it looks like he just fell down on top of a rock, a poorly rock, right into his groin. It looks like exactly. See, so you knew he was done. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, stick a fork in that dude. He is done. Yeah, I mean, if you take a sharp rock to the balls and you don't get up and feel it, then you're you're fucking dead. <laughs> Page ten. <laughs> Fuck. Who's that? That uh, that was a parrot. Anyway, page 10. <laughs> this gets really bizarre for me here on page 10. They're on a, uh, the remains of a freeway here. We see a bunch of destroyed cars. And Killraven is remembering. This is jogging a memory of his back from the reality music room from Nashville. And we get some weird dialogue here. Or not dialogue, a caption box. Turn mm-hmm. the volume on the tiny speakers in the car radio. Entertainment while hurtling down the freeway. While passing other metal chariots, twisted, uh, Daedalesque coffins. But play on, DJ. This is WNXX. And put on the echo chamber for old time's sake. So, and then with the next panel. Another part of his mind uh, had asked what the letters DJ could stand for. Or why he should even think the letters. Almost as if they were part of his past that he had never explored. So, I mean, after reading this a couple times, what I came away with... Because, I mean, they have that, and there's zero context to explain what any of that meant. I think this is like he's walking down the freeway, and this is triggered... uh, I knew this was triggering a memory of his prior to being in the gladiatorial arena. But, I mean, it's almost like he had like a flashback right there. I think he was a kid... And that was audio he heard in a car. Yeah. But I mean, there's zero context to really explain that. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely random, dude. And I guess I kind of... Because at the bottom here, he talks about uh, when he was being studied uh, and when he was in the gladiatorial pens by Keeper Whitman, who was the guy way back in issue 18 who Kill Raven killed. But then before he died, like he was free of the Martian influence. So Killraven is talking about how he thought he was a scientist who sold out, but he appears to have judged him wrongly. And this leads into Camilla Frost talking about the it leads into him talking or her talking about the origin of Croc. I I knew this was going to happen, this issue, but it it seems so crowbarred in at this point. It it didn't feel like it flowed very organically. Because, like, oh, I judged this scientist wrongly. Well, he wasn't the first scientist to be judged harshly. Uh, before I cloned Grok, before he was called Grok, he was a scientist. 
I love this is my line of the issue here. Lord woman, you draw a thing out to no end. Who is this Grok? And so we finally get the origin of Grok. Yeah, it's she starts out saying, uh, well, it, it it's you know, she kind of elaborates on how Killraven has been wondering and asking and she she drops the freaking Vader bomb basically of Grok Grok was my father. <laughs> yes. Grok. Which I, I think I mean I hadn't skipped ahead and read this. I that's what I figured. Yeah, you I, I remember you specifically stated that uh several issues back that your hypothesis was that Grok that Grok was a. Uh, I'm not sure if you had said cloned, but you had said was in some way her father. Yeah, I think you would yeah. say clone because they she they had dropped that several times that he was a clone. He was a clone. Sort. Yeah, he was a clonal man. Yes. Now, the way he was created was different than what I would have expected. Yeah, it's uh, it's been, I have seen some really shitty '70s science when it comes to say like clone like science fiction explaining cloning. There's this great, uh, just an example. Do you remember the 70s Linda Carter Wonder Woman TV show? Yeah. There's an issue, or an issue, there's an episode where she goes to South America and these Nazis had cloned Hitler. And to defeat the cloned Hitler, she puts him basically back in the machine and hits the declone button. So <laughs> she decloned Hitler by putting the machine in reverse. Yeah. So. People didn't really, ha- yeah, have a firm understanding of genetics or cloning. So, I mean, I, I would say that this isn't terrible for the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I will say that it, it, it seems to make sense. Basically, uh, Carm and her dad were were scientists, and when the Martians took over, they took them into their employ, and they were fascinated because their specialty was cloning. So the Martians killed Karm's dad in front of her. Yeah, strangled him with their tentacles. And then directed her to produce a clone of him. Yeah, I mean, that's a great... Well, you would think that it would work better if, say, they killed Camilla, and then the head scientist, which is her dad, told her dad to clone her. You would think that that would make a, a, a better way to go about it. But, you know, who, who understands Martian logic? Does that Martian on the top of page 14 have a mustache? He does appear yeah. to have a little flavor saver going on there. Put a drill sergeant hat on him and he would be a, a it would look more similar than dissimilar to Sergeant Slaughter. Holy shit, you're right. Yeah. I also believe he has a cock and balls for a nose. And I'm really not trying to be funny. It literally looks like he's got like this chubby dick and two testicles for a nose. Yeah, you mentioned it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's not me trying to like reaching reaching for something or trying to be crude. I mean, that's literally. I mean, if we put this in a lineup and had say, or not a lineup, but if we showed this, I think to ten people without prompting, I'd say at least eight of them would think that that looked like a cock and balls. Yeah. I would agree. But I'm I'm derailing the narrative. This is some serious shit, and I'm talking oh. about Sergeant Cock and Balls. Sergeant, Sergeant Slock and Balls? Yes, Sergeant uh, over Slock. Over there. 
Well, okay, so yeah, so basically she tries to clone her dad. Uh, the tissue's degenerated too much because he's dead. Yeah, I mean, you would think that if they wanted this to be viable, they would have direct, they would have taken a, a tissue sample before murdering him. Right, and um, because of the tissue being degraded, uh, it resulted in some deformities, which is why Grog was the way he was. Barely yeah. able to communicate with sucker fucking fingertips and fur all over his body and abnormally strong. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really cool touch to explain why the cloning process didn't work, that she was using dead tissue. Yes, that, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I mean, for the 70s, you don't usually get any sort of solid science. And I mean, I've I've never tried to clone a, uh, a dead father before, but I mean, for the limited knowledge of cloning in the 70s, I mean, I'm I, that, that, that I think that was a cool twist. That was good writing. Yeah, I'd say given given how much uh, pseudoscience that they've had to use to explain away what's been going on in, in, in all the issues since the beginning here, this was the closest to actual scientific fact that they've been. I mean, I, I don't think trying to clone from degraded tissue is going to give you sucker fingers. You're no. just going to get, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's going to turn you into some, like, the DNA is not going to suddenly have, like, magical, like, I have eight-foot wings or something. But, I mean, for somebody, a comic book writer who's not a geneticist in the 1970s where you can't Google this shit, I thought that was pretty creative and pretty good writing. Yeah, yeah, I will agree with you there. So, cut away, back to base camp, I believe. I also just wanted to say that I, I think that they did a really good job of, I mean, they were a bit heavy-handed with it, but how she was Grok's daughter, but how now that she created him, it was like the roles were reversed. Yeah, yeah, and they they do continue on this track for a minute. Yes, and I, what I really like about this issue, too, it's, it gets, there's a lot of this exposition as we first get going, and there's a lot of scenes that don't have any weight. But, I mean, from now on, now that we've got that, like, rock origin story, the rest of this issue is like a diehard movie. It's just action and just con- it's constantly moving. It doesn't run right. down anywhere. It's really, it was a really fun read. Yeah, yeah. after this point, it, it, after this point, it turns into probably one of my favorite books of the series. Yes. Um, so, we, we're, we're uh, back to base camp. I believe. Yep, page 15. Mm-hmm. Hawk, uh... Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, no, Hawk... Oh. <laughs> Hawk sees a skull. He's wondering if he's dead, but he doesn't stop to check a pulse, which, I mean, it's... You're in the middle of combat now. You have uh, Scar there. You has, he, has, he doesn't know if there's other other enemies there, so he doesn't stop to assess the situation with uh, Skull. He immediately goes for his weapon, and when he rushes to get the photonuclear annihilator, he realizes that it's disassembled. So now he's, he's kind of up Shit's Creek. And this kind of makes me an asshole, but this is one of my favorite parts of the, uh, the book, where Scar is walking by Old Skull, and for no reason but just to be an ass, just kicks him in the face. And, I mean, it highly looks like, I mean, it very much looks like Skull's dead. Because when you see his his face lift off the ground. I mean, his eyes are open. I mean, there's no reason to believe, and he doesn't react at all. There's no reason to believe that Old Skull's alive at this point. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, this action speaks of a level of petty disregard that, that was even just amazing from coming from even Scar. Okay. Because, I mean, we've seen this pettiness from him in the past. Like when he killed that homeless guy on the pier or when he killed the uh, the serial guy in Battle Creek for no reason. Well, I he mean, killed the guy. Yeah, he killed the serial guy for no reason. Did, he didn't kill the homeless guy, did he? I mean, I thought he just burned his hands. Yeah, he burned him and then left him unable to fend for himself to, like, slowly die. <laughs> well, see, at least he didn't kill him directly. Yeah, it was just the casual, unnecessary cruelty. I mean, that's a that's a, right. a trait that we've seen at Scar. And just he, he his just it's the word I'm looking for. His just his complete animosity towards humans. Right. So, okay. But this brings us to uh, the yeah. next uh, two panels after the infamous head kick. His, his hole starts to smoke. Yeah, like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> he, like, put a cigar in there that wasn't fully out. Exactly. <laughs> Did you have, like, the Martian equivalent of a fat Cuban just fucking rolled up and tucked in there and he decided to light it? He's got a fog machine in there. <laughs> <laughs> Shoved a little dry ice in there and now it's kind of freaking evaporating. Yeah, this next panel we get more of this poem. I will thirst for your pain and consume it with ecstasy. And oh, this is where we learn that apparently Scar has superpowers because out of that like gaping wet hole in his face, he shoots it like a cyclops optic beam. Yeah, like I, I was a little beside myself. I was like, where in the fuck did this come from? Yeah, I mean, is this mutated? Uh, further mutated Scott Summers? I mean, this is seriously. I mean, it looks like a uh, uh, a cyclops optic beam. Yeah. Okay. So scarclops. Yeah. But it's yeah. But it disintegrates. See, where cyclops' beams, they're not heat; they're force. So they would just pulverize this rock. It disintegrates it. So yeah. Yeah. It absolutely because uh, you know uh, Hawk was using this rock for cover and. Scar zapped it with his fucking gaping wet maw of a fucking eye hole, and it disintegrated it. I'm, and you know, I'm floored. We didn't got to run. Yeah, we didn't get an onomatopoeia for that. You're right. At least like a zap or something. Yeah, that's what I was expecting—a big like zap or something along those lines. Right, and we didn't get that. Instead, after Hawk does his little dodge maneuver. We flash back to Kill Raven and company. Yeah, Kill Raven, Mashula, and Camilla. They uh, they come across the uh, Devil's Marauder. Yep, and it's a it's a really that first panel on page sixteen. I think is is a pretty cool panel because I mean they they show you basically a top down view, and it gives you just a crescent of the uh, Devil's Marauder on the bottom of the panel, and then. The three freemen all the way down at ground level kind of scale down. Uh, it looks like they're looking up at the disc of the Devil's Marauder, which is a pretty neat perspective to, to draw it from. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So, yeah, so the, you know, the freemen are looking up and they're like, holy shit, it's Devil's Marauder, Scar's ear. Uh, so they, uh, Oh, Go on. I was going to say, Camilla's wearing it back to the thigh-high boots in one panel, but then the next panel, it's like she's wearing the thigh-highs underneath the buccaneer boots. So I, I don't know what's going on with her. She's, she's confused. 
you know, maybe she just, you know, maybe maybe she's wearing thigh-high tights with buccaneer boots, and whenever she gets too hot, she rolls them down for more breathability. Yeah, I'll take it. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they, they decide to uh, split off with uh, Carm and KR heading out to uh, base camp, and Mashula is going to try and take down the Devil's Marauder by himself. I'm wondering why they kill Raven made that decision to leave him there to destroy the devil's marauder. Why not send him up there to try to like, say like commandeer it. Have you seen fucking that guy drive? <laughs> I mean, that's true, but maybe giving him a, a something as fast and agile as the tripod, maybe they can finally get back on course to, uh, to Yellowstone. Have you seen those guys drive? Every mean, it's almost like every means of transportation they come across, they end up stealing. They stole the, uh, um, the, he stole the serpent, uh, stallion. He, he, he nabbed one of those. And now I'm blanking on the name of the, uh, the machine that they, they took from, uh, Mint Julep. The, um, oh, fuck. Oh, it's I, on the tip of my tongue. I didn't think of it till now, where I would have looked at put it into my research that it was that he's nabbing these. Oh, I'll put it in post. Yeah, put it in post. Whatever, whatever those freaking those cars were that they took. Editors note they're called Dynagliders. Whatever conveyance devices, but yeah, I mean they've driven fast vehicles before. It has not stopped them from getting any less lost. They've just been more lost. This is true. Um, at the top of page 17, we get more of this, uh, this poem. I will want your agony as deeply as I have craved any desire in my whole life. I will not be denied. Not this time. Right. So, yeah, KR comes on base camp. He sees Old Skull humping a freaking rock, but really he's not humping it. He's just kind of, you know, limply... Yeah. Hanging over it, ragdolled over it with his eyes open, like lying in a pool of blood. Right, yeah, you know, it's kind of odd. He's got his shirt rolled up. I mean, kind of looks like maybe something else happened when Scar <laughs> walked by. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> he let the shirt roll down with the pants are on. Like he went, he went by and gave him like a man. This guy needs an oil massage. <laughs> Maybe. I need to sculpt you. So, yeah. Um, anywho, it looks like uh, our good buddy Old School is actually still alive. He, he's, he's grievously wounded. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of blood. But he's still alive. He's just taking a little bit of a nap right now. <laughs> just a little bit of a breather. An eyelid fl- flutters open trying to focus, and he says, Old School don't feel so well, Mr. K- Killraven. He hurts kind of bad, but he'll be all right. Dude, you're like burned over 30% of your body and then got kicked in the face. Well, like with your just laying, that cannot be a comfortable position. I mean, he's, if you told me, I, I don't know. Like he, he's, could. he's pretty fucked. It could be comfortable. I mean, yeah, I've seen people lay down weird positions all the time and they're like, this is my comfortable spot. And I'm like. Fuck you, that looks painful. And maybe it's good, it feels good on his back, or for his back. There you, there you go, there you go. Or maybe he is dry-humping that rock, who knows? 
Kill Raven uh, picks up a weapon, and now he's uh, he's on the hunt for Scar. And mm-hmm. at page eighteen and twenty two are super cool. Yeah, I mean, this is all like hunters hunting each other and who's the hunted and and the perspective of who is the hunted and who is the hunter is constantly shifting depending on what character you're looking at because one character is hunting the other but the other character is hunting the one that's hunting the other character and it's it's fucking crazy this is really ahead of its time and when you just going back a couple pages when you were talking about that cool perspective shot with the tripod again these are perspective changes and and playing with that perspective that i don't think you'd see a lot of in the 70s like this here where you said like you're seeing like the hunter but how he's also being hunted and how they're like like you see him in the crosshair and how he moves out of it and how the hunter doesn't realize that he uh, at any moment's going to be the prey this is something that i think you would see like in a gi joe comic 10 years later with snake eyes and storm shadow was super cool yeah, and it's it is awesome. Um, so yeah, basically it's it's a it's a wild manhunt. You know, Scar is looking for anybody. He's looking for Hawk. Hawk is busy hiding under rocks and shit. Yeah. So while Kill Ravens, oh go gone, on. gone. I was gonna say like yeah, like you said, where he's hunting Hawk, uh, who's taking cover. He doesn't realize that Kill Raven's got this weird looking sight on his gun, but he's got uh. He's tracking Scar right now, where the hunter is also the hunted. Right. And he's thinking, you know, he he manages to kind of find a little bit of cover inadvertently, not like, you know, Scar was trying to find cover, but he fouls a Kill Raven shot, which gives him enough time that Scar starts working his way back to the Devil's Marauder and realizes something is amiss up there. Yeah. And. You know, it, there's still there's so many like little moving parts throughout this whole page. So yeah, he sees that uh, Mashula is up sabotaging the Devil's Marauder, and this moves him out of Kill Raven's sights. But then we see that uh, he's now in Camilla's sights. So it's it, it like this was a movie. I mean, it would almost be like a split s- screen where you would see like the one pistol going up and training on Scar, and at the same time, or on. Mashula, and at the same time, you see Camilla's gun is coming up, and it's a question of who's going to aim and fire first. So there's some cool fucking tension there. Yeah, there's a lot of cool tension going on there. I mean, uh, we move on to, geez, page uh, 22? 22. So, page 22, Camilla's got the drop on Scar, Scar's got the drop on Mashula, and. Like, I don't know what trips Scar off, but he realizes that she's back there behind him. And he fucking, like, Vader grabs her fucking blaster out of her hand. Like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, this weird, like, force starts coming out of his hand. So at first you think, like, he's blasting her with hand bolts. But yeah, it's like, like you said, it's like he totally Vader's the blaster, like, right out of her hand. And it just sucks into his hand. I, I actually thought she shot him in the hand. Yeah, it's super weird, and uh, yeah, the he then crushes her gun. I just I just want to go back to the top real quick. I just thought this was a great line. Camilla draws a beard on Scar's back, and Mashula's touch and voice steady her hand. So again, just I mean, her realizing like that her uh, 
boyfriend, lover, comrade, like whatever's in danger, but like the closeness that they share, uh, it's what's, uh, it's make it's what's steadying her. It's enabling her to, to make the shot. But then out of nowhere, Magneto grabs her gun. <laughs> exactly. Skagneto grabs the gun and, uh, crushes it and, uh, hope dies in, uh, Carm's eyes as uh, as she sees this, but, but then we get this on twenty three, this super cool reversal because uh, force grabbing and then crushing a pistol causes some commotion. So Camilla realize not Camilla, um, Shula realizes that he's there. So while you get this cool sh- like again overhead shot of they're squaring off, and you can tell that they're about to like go at it like uh like with hand to hand mashul starts to line up a shot on uh scar right and uh he he takes the shot yeah this is such a cool fucking panel where he gets kicked in the face from the front and shot at the base of his skull with an arrow in the back right now if i remember the description uh, the arrow drives deep into the back of of Scar's neck, reaching to protrude from the throat. Yes. So, so it was a clean shot that kind of, you know, it's lodged in his neck. Yes. And it's sticking out of his throat. Yes, absolutely. And Scar feels nothing. It doesn't even slow him down, and he savagely backhands it. Yeah, he backhands her. Uh, Mashula jumps in uh, to the fray, and he gets a fucking backhand. I mean, basically, it's like, I don't know, it's like whenever I went to my grandmother's house, man. Backhands flying all around. Yeah, he's got a he's got a backhand like John McEnroe. <laughs> he left, he backhands left, and then Mashula, like, j- like, swings in on the rope ladder, and just, he backhand. I mean, like, He's in the air, and the backhand momentum throws this, like, 200-pound man back. Yeah, that is some vicious backhanding going on right there, man. Which, this takes us to 26, and I, I, I just, I mean, like, starting a couple pages back, just on, this is just the coolest fucking fight scene, and just how well they did drawing it, and how kinetic it is. Oh we, yes. Because now we see uh, on this on this weird cliff that I'm not sure exists would exist in Tennessee. Uh, actually, yeah, I could see that. But we see yeah, Tennessee's got mountains. Yeah, we see Killraven is like twenty something feet above him, and n- not only does he jump off, but he draws his sword like in midair, and then jumps on him. So he's like literally on Scar, like piggy, like like Scar's giving him a piggyback ride. No, no, no! It's not a piggyback ride. They're, they're. What do they call it? Chicken fighting. Yes. Easter fighting. Yeah, like if they were in like the water. Yeah, like they're in a pool. You know, and he's like, he's like Scar, rooster fight time, and Scar's like, okay, buddy. And and then Scar throws him off, and it doesn't even slow Kill Raven down. Kill Raven with his sword out stabs him right in that moist cyclops hole. Like right through it, dude. And then. Not only does he not, like, does it not hurt Scar, but Scar pulls it out, and you can see this creepy-ass smile on his face. Yeah, I mean, it's like, he just got a knife 
basically ran through his cranium. And he's just like, that, you're not even phasing me, bro. I mean, come on, come at me, bro. And I, is that your best? Give, give me more. This bottom panel, then, is so fucking cool. Because Killraven doesn't react that this did nothing. Killraven launches himself, throws him to the ground, and just starts pummeling him. Yeah, I think Killraven kind of was just like, fuck you, you're going to die. Yeah, he uh, he rages out. And then, so we're on page 27, and we get like a six at least like six mini panels on top. And this was fucking great. So we see Camilla. She's she's kind of picking herself up from uh, being backhanded, and she looks at Croc, Croc, and it's basically. I mean, it's they. It's like they both know what's coming. Right. Yeah. Like they have a, a both have this like shared moment of uh, a premonition as to what's going to happen. Yeah, and uh, Camilla, she's thinking, like, call out, stop it, or is it already too late? And then in the next panel, it's uh, we see Grok's eye, and it says, the caption says, daughter. So long since he's been able to see the say the, wor- the word, he still can't. That was another lifetime. Daughter is now the mother. Which, I think it would have been really easy for them to pull this, like, oh, he's a clone, so he would have uh, all of uh, her his memories. But he clearly... I mean, I've never gotten that impression that he know that he has any of uh, Camilla's father's memories. And I mean, yeah. they have this bond, but again, it's more it's because she's his creator, not because his original had any sort of relationship with Camilla. Right. And uh, yeah, you know, it looks like Scar's turning the fight around. You know, whereas Killraven had him on the ropes, on the floor, pinned down. Scar throws him off, delivers one hell of a right hook, and sends Kr flying. Yes, flying back like ten feet. Which goes with you know, I mean, we don't see it for sure, but it goes with the theme of Killraven getting some blunt trauma to the head. <laughs> yep, he's definitely. I mean, he's. Scar is just kicking ass and taking names. I mean, he is just throwing the the, the Freeman around like they are ragdolls. Right. So, you know, KR, of course, you know, boldly pronounces that he'd have to have every bone broken in his body before he stopped coming back at him. Scar's just kind of like, whatever, not even doing anything. Hawk is full stealth mode, freaking trying to come in and, you know, engage. And everyone's... You know, everyone's kind of, you know, coming at Scar. Yeah, it's like the team regroups, and you see a great panel of Hawk and Camilla converging on them. It's like they're getting between Scar and Grok. Grok is the only member of the team who hasn't tangled. He's in no shape, too. So it's like they're trying to intervene to save Grok. And then you see coming in from the other side, Kill Raven's picking himself up. Mashula's picked himself up. It's go time. Right, so you get to page 30. And what a page it is. Oh, shit. And it's, again, like a G.I. Joe comic, like a G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes, uh, Storm Shadow throwdown. It's completely silent. There's no word boxes, no word balloons, no captions. No onomatopoeia? No onomatopoeia. Yeah, so you see you've got Scar, and Scar's clearly eyeing something. Uh, Okay, that was weak. Uh, hi <laughs> that was weak. Uh, so he sees a rock shelf that's overhead, probably the one that Killraven jumped down from. Yeah, it looks the same. He fires his awesome, you know, optic blast that we never knew he had before until now, and uh, shoots this overhang, which, oh, by the way, is above Grok. 
uh, Hawk of all people jumps to try and rescue him, even though he's been bitching and moaning about Grok being dead weight for the last three issues. His whole, yeah, I mean, his whole rants are like a lot of his rants are about like, these people aren't useless, they're or aren't useful to the group, they're slowing the group down. Yeah, he 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 throws himself into the line of fire trying to save Grok, and fails. Yeah, we see they're both just covered in uh, falling rocks. They're, I mean, they're clearly dead. Um, yeah, there's there's no coming back from that. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before the show. When I the first time I read this, that really bothered me because I mean, it was there was no purpose to this. It was because I knew from the get go because we finally got the origin of Hawk that they were building him up to kill him, and so it just it felt it it felt so meaningless to me that he was killed here. But on my second reading, that's actually why I liked it. It's, and I, I mean, we, we hashed this out uh, a little, like a little bit before uh, when we talked about this before the show. You see this in movies and TV shows where these people make these grand sacrifices and their deaths have meaning in movies and TV shows. And usually, death isn't like that. Death is random, or death is meaningless. So I mean, I'm gonna miss the character, but I mean, I think that's what made it meaningful was he tried, but he wasn't successful. And I mean, it was just it was a a random occurrence. It could have been any member of the group that died, and it just happened to be him, and it served no greater purpose. No, it, it didn't, unless the purpose of his dying was to get Killraven really pissed the fuck off. Oh, which it does, man. He is... It is clobbering time when we go to page 31. Right, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's surveying the rubble, and... He gets royally pissed off, and the first thing he sees is Scar's fucking smug, smiling, gaping, hold visage, and he comes undone. And first thing he does, he whips out a pistol, like a laser pistol, shoots him, and then, fuck, here's where it all comes unhinged. He shoots uh, Scar in the side. And that we see that there's torn circuitry from, like, his gaping chest wound. Killraven shoots in his arm, and we see that when the flesh comes off, it's all uh, robotic. Right, what the fuck is going on here, man? So, yeah, because I, I had naturally concluded from his previous issues that he was a mutant. Exactly, same here. And we get, and, and I mean, that's why we even comment, it's like, why is he so down on humans? He used to be human. And, I mean, right. now we know. But yeah, Kill Raven, he's not thinking about any of this. He runs in and he just starts clocking. Looks like he pistol whips Scar and just starts beating him brutally. And he knocks him to the ground. And he's just got, he's like straddling him, just savagely beating him. Mm-hmm. He is just fucking, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what would piss me off so much that I would just beat the absolute living shit out of it. Especially if I knew it was a fucking machine. And it's laughing as he's, like, murdering. Like, he's basically, I mean, he's beating the machine until it can't function anymore. And it's just laughing because it's such a hollow victory. He lost two of his free men. And it's not like, I mean, it's he didn't kill his opponent. His opponent, I mean, I'm not sure how much sentience this Scar robot had. But, I mean, in the end, it was this hollow victory. Because it's not like it was a blood for blood. He... Right. Yeah, he killed some Martian equipment. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, he he lost two two members of his crew, and in exchange, he 
you know, maybe destroyed a Martian ti- tripod and killed a Martian cyborg, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm we debated this a little bit before the show. Is the Scar a full robot, or was he a cyborg? I mean, because it's entirely possible that maybe, like, there was an intelligence remotely controlling the Scar robot, so that's why it was laughing in the end, because, like, its consciousness is just going to go into another robot, or it has, like, ten of these things that it controls. So, I mean, in the end, it doesn't... We don't know this uh, if this even hurt the Martians at all, losing this one uh, Scar robot. But, I mean, this definitely... This was a humbling crippling blow to the free men yeah well i mean i don't know maybe they hadn't kind of locked down what the definition of a cyborg was but it, it does call scar a cyborg in one of the narration panels yeah it, and torn wires and broken cyborg parts right so yeah it's it is ultimately a uh, a hollow victory for Killraven and crew. Yeah, it's like he's his arms are up at the end. It's like he's screaming towards the heavens, and we get the final quote: "I will cry to the heavens for justice, and they will reply with their own retribution." Right. So, yeah, he he beats Scar, but at what cost? You know, basically two of his men. Uh, I'm sure everyone's probably injured. You know. Yeah, I mean, this is gonna. Horrifically scar Camilla. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean that was her. I, uh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't her father, but yeah, but I mean this was it was her last link to her father. And, and they earlier in the issue, I thought they uh, she had some uh, like a very uh, poignant uh, point about the relationship that um, they were never close. Her and her like original father, but I mean this. With Grok and him not having this work to keep them apart, she was closer to this Grok, like this this failed clone of him, than she ever was to the actual man. Yeah, I could Grok that. Oh! <laughs> God. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand that, yeah, they, they felt like they had a closer relationship after she cloned... I, 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 Clone his remains, I guess would be the way of saying it. Yeah. His carcass. So she's a necromancer. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. <laughs> um, and when we get next, the Freeman faced the terrible time threat of the 24-hour man. And I, I have no idea what that means. And if you look at the cover of the next issue with the threat of the 24-hour man, that does not clear up. Uh what his powers are. I guess they're going to be some sort of time-based powers, but I can't wait to get to that. But uh, next time, we will not be covering Amazing Adventures 35. With this horrible heat going on and summer going full swing, we will be covering the Punisher Summer Special. Woo-hoo. Punish Summer. Yes. Yeah, the sequel to Punish Summer, Punish Summer. Exactly. Trademark. Exactly. Trademark it. Fucking copyright that shit. Have some freaking monster truck announcer come on the horn. You know, Punish Summer. Yeah. I think I'm just going to rip that audio and play that at the beginning of the next uh, next uh, episode. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, what were your thoughts on this issue? You know what? I. Uh, 
after we got past the uh, Grok origin, it, it was probably one of my favorite issues. It goes back to the the things about the amazing adventures that I liked or astonishing adventures, whatever the fuck. Amazing. It, 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 amazing adventures. It went. It got back to what I liked at its core, which was awesomely kinetic fighting. Uh, ex- extremely well drawn fight scenes, like someone had thought about how people would move in these situations, and it got rid of some of the overly verbose freaking narration, which has been plaguing us nonstop. Yeah, it, you know, I could deal without it. It started off a little bit, yeah, it started off a little bit wonky. But yeah, I mean, once it got into it, wanted to be this action issue, and once it got into it, it did it tr- just tremendously, like it just successfully. It was very good. Yeah, yeah, it basically uh, grabbed us by the freaking ears and skull fucked us. Yeah, I have that big gaping hole now that I shoot lasers <laughs> out of. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, what did you think about Scar being a fucking robot? That annoyed me. I thought that was because uh, at first I'm like, didn't we establish he was a mutant? And it was no, I. They had, they had never uh, said that. We had just extrapolated that with based off of what we knew of like the Martian forces. But I mean, it made right. sense. I mean, I guess it, I mean if he's a say a cyborg because we're not sure if he's a cyborg or a full robot. But I mean, if he was a full robot, why he would uh, maybe feel so superior to humanity? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I I almost felt like it was a bit of a cop out. It was because they've, they've they've clearly shown they have had characters Adalon, the Sacrificer, that were human, and 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 felt so much revulsion for their origins that they completely turned on the rest of humanity and thought themselves far superior. I I think what made it, I I think like a the, why they they went with the choice to make him a robot was to make the victory in the end hollow that were. You've lost two of your own, but I mean the Martians lost a piece of equipment. True. I think that's And I could I could I could understand that viewpoint. I can understand why they would make that that call. So yeah, I thought that was a if that's what they were going for, it was uh pretty neat. There, yeah. Let's get uh, Don McGregor on the horn and uh double check. I would love that. I mean I've looked him up. The only contact information I found for him is he has like a Facebook page. But I'm wondering if we contacted him, you know, at the end of the series, if he would, uh, if he would answer some questions, if he'd want to do an interview. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Dredge his fucking like, fuck. How old does he got to be by now? Like fucking seventy, eighty. I bet he's probably in his seventies. I mean, we, I, I see a lot. Holy lo- shit! I see a lot of the uh, the seventies. Uh, people still tour out here. Like I could kick myself. Uh, Jim Duranko was out here not that long ago, and he just passed. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting if we can. Yeah, I mean, if we could ask one question, I'd be like, why in the fuck do you make Scar a robot? Was it too? You know, make that victory so hollow, or was it just because you guys were like fucking baked off of your heads and decided, hey, that'd be pretty fucking cool? Oh, I I would have so many questions for him. I would want to know if there was any pushback from Marvel with all the baby eating. Um, oh yes, yeah, I would. 
I would I would love like a half hour interview with uh, Don McGregor to to figure out how some of these decisions were made. Why so much narration? Yeah, exposition for for exposition's sake. Why? So yeah, I think we both agree that this was uh, one of the best ones yet. Yeah, and I'm glad we're gonna take a little break from it on this high note and uh, do a little punish summer. Yeah, we're uh, we're almost at the end of Kill Raven. We have uh, the 24 Hour Man. Then we'll be covering the Marvel Two in One with. Uh, uh, where he teams up with Spider-Man to fight the Martians, but I mean that's right. that's uh thir- that's Marvel team up that take and uh, issue thirty-five. Then we do thirty-six. Yeah, it's almost the end of the series because I think it, yeah it goes up to yeah. thirty-nine. Yeah, it ends at thirty-nine. So yeah, we've only got four more to go. Yeah, I mean by the end of this year, we'll firmly be in uh, Star Trek and Godzilla. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we got some really good stuff lined up too. Um, I I have a, a comic book creator who's ex- two of them actually who've expressed interest in doing an interview. So we've got two more interviews coming up. Um, awesome. I know the uh, the three wise men. The next issue of Motor City Mo is going to be coming out uh, at some point. So I, I well, it's what is it September or August that the Kickstarter is going to drop? I I wanted I I want to say it was I think maybe it was August for the Kickstarter and then September for the issue. So okay, uh, we might be able to get them back on to uh, to talk about that. So yeah, I think we got some sorry all of you indie comic fans. I think we've got some exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do the Kickstarter because I, I want to see what the fuck happens. Yeah, that's a, a Kickstarter I'm going to uh, back. I just backed a comic book Kickstarter. One of our guests, or one of the uh, somebody who's expressed interest in coming on, he's a pretty prolific local comic book writer, well, Midwestern comic book writer. And yeah, his uh, Kickstarter for this book, I mean, it just made it within hours but yeah i uh i can't wait to talk about that when he he comes on i think i'm gonna keep him a mystery until we air the episode but he's somebody awesome. that I've, I've covered his books uh previously awesome sauce yes that sauce is awesome, awesome. that sauce is super awesome so um where can we find uh where we can fi- where can we find uh you and uh our presence online cruz Yes, our presence online. Well, you could go to uh, the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast at gmail.com. You could find our Instagram at Comic Book Dungeon Podcast on Instagram.com. And uh, you can find uh, Mark's Twitter handle at BrokenLMD at Twitter. Yes, also our webpage, which is just redirects to Podient right now, is Comic Book Dungeon Podcast.com. So there's many avenues for you to reach us out to, uh, out to us. Again, I think email is the best, comicbookdungeonpodcast yes. at gmail.com. We have a lot of these listener questions out there. We want to hear from you guys. And again, any uh, any five-star reviews you want to put on iTunes is helpful. Any constructive feedback yes. to the show is helpful. But again, those iTunes reviews, that's what's, there's about a 10,000 comic book podcasts out there. That's what's going to help us rise and... Uh, and uh, help people find us. So any uh, help yes. in that uh, that department is much appreciated. Yes, help the creamy goodness of the comic book dungeon rise to the top. Yeah, because remember, we're uh, so many <laughs> podcasts or shills. They uh, they advertise. You have to sit through advertisements and 
whatnot. Yeah, God knows how many Blue Apron advertisements I freaking had to listen to as I listen to podcasts. Yeah, so we're one of those few podcasts where the only uh, the aggravation you have to sit through is 40 minutes of us talking about Xbox. So, small <laughs> price to pay. Yeah, exactly. No plugs for Audible. None of that stuff here. Oh, We're ad-free. Yeah, and if you are a local, say if you are a comic book uh, writer, or, I mean, even if, say, some sort of other prose or fiction, if you want somebody to talk about your 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 product, uh, I mean, if you want, if you can send us a copy, we'll talk about it on the show. If you want to come on for an interview, uh, we'll talk about it. But, I mean, we are going to be uh, honest and fair in our reviews. Yes. Yes, fair and honest, unlike the news network that claims that. I think is it fair? Isn't it like was it fair and balanced? Fair? I don't know. I don't know. I I know it's fair in something. <laughs> so yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and uh, we'll we'll see you guys next time. Until then, keep turning those pages. Yeah, and remember, don't be a dumbass. If you want to clone somebody, don't wait till they've been dead for an hour. You grab those cells ahead of time. <laughs> Morons. Nicely done. Nicely done. Thank you.
machines to save our lives. Machines Ha, ha, ha.